This is Chris Hargraves, and this is the Tips for Lawyers podcast, episode number 40. I'm going to have a few links today, and you can find all of those in the show notes at tipsforlawyers.com slash podcast slash 40. And before I get into today's show, which is, of course, the second in my uh, little series on persuasion, I just wanted to remind you of a few things. The first is if you're finding these useful or uh, even not useful, although Hopefully you are finding them useful. You can head over to iTunes at tipsforlawyers.com slash iTunes. That'll redirect you to the podcast page where you can leave a review and hopefully a five-star rating. I do keep an eye out for those. They help the podcast get more visible. They help more people see it and hopefully more people listen and get something useful out of the podcast. So I very much appreciate those of you who've taken the time to do that so far. I also wanted to let you know of a couple of free courses currently available on tipsforlawyers.com. I put these out specifically to help you on various topics that I think are going to be of interest to young lawyers, and in particular, uh, ones where I think you might be able to uh, take some practical skills away that are actually going to have a positive impact upon your career. The first, and I've mentioned this before, is the Essentials course, and you can find that at tipsforlawyers.com slash essentials. It is a free course. It involves six webinar-style videos or audio, if you prefer, And they are designed to take you through the core practical skills associated with legal practice so far as I see them. The next that I don't think I've mentioned before on the podcast is a relatively new course. It's called uh, The Invaluable Lawyer. It is a free three-part course and it is in audio and written formats. So for those of you who prefer to read, although if you're listening to this, I assume you don't mind listening to things, you can head over to tipsforlawyers.com slash invaluable and you can sign up and register for that there. Both courses are free. Both of them are available to you now. I hope I'll see you sign up for those soon. Now, back to persuasion. So in the first episode on persuasion, more recently at tipsforlawyers.com slash podcast slash 39, I really just outlined in general terms why persuasion was so important. And I spoke about the various ways in which you can be persuasive and use persuasion to your advantage in your career, but also to the advantage of others in your career. So if you haven't listened to that, uh, I do suggest you tune into that because it provides the context for this episode. And it's looking like this is going to be a three-part series at this point. Uh, It was potentially going to be only two, but I hadn't quite decided that yet. So this will likely be number two of three. And today I wanted to have a talk about persuasion in the context of relationship. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, ultimately, persuasion uh, between two people, which is at the end of the day what persuasion is about, only occurs within the context of a particular relationship. Now, that relationship might exist purely online. Uh, It might be one directional to some extent. uh, And a couple of examples of that include uh, Tips for Lawyers itself, uh, this podcast and the blogs. I know that in some times I will no doubt persuade some people of some points of view and they might be people I've never even met. And so the context of that relationship is that it is really just a one-way relationship, but a relationship it is nonetheless. And I'll come back to some of the aspects there, but relationships more commonly in legal practice, of course, exist in uh, two ways. So there is a relationship going outwards from you to your client or to the judge or to the other side, and there is something coming back. There is an interaction. And 
If you are going to be persuasive in that context, which is far more common uh, in legal practice than at the one directional relationship, then you need to really have to your mind how you are going to adapt to the nature of the relationship and to the nature of the individual that you are communicating with so far as you know it. Because it is not simply a matter of one size fits all when it comes to persuasion. It is a matter of one size fits one and another size fits someone else. So I think the first and most important thing to say is that you need to know as much as you can about the person on the other side of the discussion. And this is where your initial rapport building with clients really comes into play. If you're looking to persuade a client six months into a relationship, it's going to be far easier if you have invested some time into getting to know the client, getting to know what their uh, aspects, what their uh, particular desires and what their particular drivers are, because it's going to make a significant difference to your ability to persuade them in any given context. So that works as well, though, for the other side in a litigation. A lot of people, in particular in towns that aren't necessarily massive, uh, the legal fraternity is fairly well known and it doesn't take much to ask around and find out about who you're actually dealing with. Same goes for judges. Judges, generally speaking, have a particular reputation for responding to particular styles of argument, uh, to being attracted to certain types of thing, to reacting in a particular type of way to particular categories of submissions. So, you need to understand who it is you're dealing with before you try and craft your message to persuade someone to a particular point of view. It is fundamentally important to persuasion. If you're going to try and have someone agree with what you want them to agree with, then you need to be able to persuade them in a way that's attractive to them. And as lawyers, we do have a tendency to become a little bit uh, self-centered. And we think that because we might be a bit clever and we might be good at articulating things that the way we would ordinarily say something or respond to it ourselves is the best way to communicate it to someone else. And I've seen this a lot. Uh, in particular in the use of language, in particular in the use of legal jargon in some contexts, and in particular, though, in the level of detail or in the way in which something is set out. And we're going to come back to that in a little bit. So it is really no great surprise, I think, that persuasion needs to take place in the context of a relationship, but in particular in the context of uh, your knowledge of how the relationship functions so far as the other person is concerned. Even down to the mode of communication, do they prefer a telephone caller? Do they prefer an email? Do they prefer a formal letter? How are they going to react best in so far as your attempt to persuade them of anything? So, how are we going to do that? Well, the first thing is, and frankly, there are many, many, many resources on knowing people. I'm only going to refer to a couple here and uh, I'll invite you to have a look at those. But frankly, these are just a couple of the myriad of options that exist out there so far as understanding people a little bit better and getting to know people a little bit better and understanding what makes people tick a little bit better. The first one I wanted to mention, and it's a bit of a bit of an unusual one in this context. I have mentioned it before in the context of marketing, uh, and I'll link that up article up too, uh, as well as a link to this book, uh, is actually the book called Five Lung Love Languages. Um, and it has really very little to do with business. Uh, in fact, it's to do with personal relationships, which at the end of the day is what we're talking about. And it's 
both something to encourage you to explore uh, your own personality a little bit, but also to help you in your interactions with other people. And the author is uh, a guy by the name of Jerry, Gary Chapman, and he runs through what he views as being the five primary ways in which people respond positively to things. And each people, of course, might have a blend. They might have uh, different components of things, and they might have the uh, mixes between different categories of these things. And he has defined them as these. The first one is words of affirmation. So these are people who respond positively to uh, verbal or sometimes written affirmation. They appreciate being appreciated in that way. They are the people to whom you might send a thank you note. They are the people to whom you might express your appreciation for something that they have done. The next that he refers to is acts of service. These are the people who respond well when you might do something for them that you were not otherwise obliged to do. It's a bit of a strange one in the context of legal services where, in fact, we are a service community, but they will react very well to if feeling served above and beyond the obligation. What's the next one? Receiving gifts. Some people love to get gifts. I don't know if you know uh, anyone who's on a different plane to you as this, but getting gifts from some people they just react so much better than other people. To some people, it's like, oh, yay, another bottle of wine. But others are very, very excited to get anything gratuitous in their favour. Quality time, of course, in terms of personal relationships, but also in terms of client relationships. And this is where I was talking about investment earlier on. If you have invested the time, some people will really, really appreciate and you will have built up trust. You will have built up a bank of your knowledge of that person, but also of your investment in that person that they appreciate. And that will put you at a far better stead when it comes to having to persuade them of something they might not otherwise agree with down the track. And the one that doesn't really come up too often in terms of uh, legal practice is physical touch. So again, the people who always want to shake hands, um, the people who uh, greet you with a kiss on the cheek, stuff like that, they are the people who might have a bit more of the physical touch element in terms of how they respond positively to things. And now, it's fairly easy, in fact, to put these into the context of business and into the context of persuasion, but the main reason I mention them today is because they are some easy, fairly readily rememberable categories that you can start to think about people in terms of, in terms of how they will respond to things, and in particular, in terms of your mode of delivery, but also when it comes to clients and when it comes to people you're going to interact with more frequently, perhaps around your firm, and I did speak with uh, about persuasion of colleagues uh, in the first episode. These are the kinds of things you need to be looking at in terms of banking some existing relationship so that you have that element of trust, you have that element of uh, confidence when the time comes to persuade them of something down the track. So the next thing I thought I'd mention, the next resource uh, is a book called Fascinate by Sally Hogshead. It's an interesting, interesting perspective on things. And she talks about finding your particular major characteristics She does that in particular um, through what she calls personality archetypes. She's identified 49. Uh, It's really a seven by seven table with different combinations. Uh, And it's an interesting uh, free assessment or relatively cheap, depending on whether you've got uh, a code you can hunt down or not. Uh, And it is designed to give you a bit of perspective of yourself 
uh, both in terms of what you are strong at and what you are not strong at. And this might assist you as well in identifying some of those personality characteristics, but also just in the context of giving you some ideas of what kinds of people there are out there, because at the end of the day, that's what I'm talking about here, which is what kinds of people are there and how well do you know them? How well have you identified what kind of person you're dealing with in order that you can use that to your advantage when it comes to persuading them? So those are a couple of resources you might want to check out. I'll link them up uh, to the extent I'll link the books that uh, those people have written. They'll probably be affiliate links. So just be aware I'll get a minuscule commission if you decide to go ahead with a purchase uh, using one of those links. But those are really homework for you if you want to take this to the next level. And today I wanted to look at persuasion really uh, in one particular context in terms of dealing with people in the context of that relationship. Uh, And it is something that's been around for a little while. Uh, You may have read about it before. It's called uh, the Logos Ethos Pathos um, approach. And it's not always used in terms of persuasion, but it is used in terms of personal relationships. Now, the three, uh, if you've not heard them before, logos refers to logic or reason, uh, ethos or ethos refers to credibility or trust, and pathos refers to emotions or values. And uh, these are the three fundamental drivers that people have going for them. And as lawyers, we have a tendency to be excellent at uh, logos uh, in terms of logic reason, and we're good at structuring things well. We're good at identifying things well. We're good at setting things out well and referring to statistics and cases and precedents and things like that. What we are less good at um, than that sort of logical approach is the credibility and trust side of things. So this is the ethos side of things. And this is where it comes to personal branding and uh, necessarily having that element of trust. And that's why I referred to things in the context of relationship before. If you can bank up that trust relationship through your interactions with people and through dealing with them and through perhaps utilizing those five love languages uh, combinations that I spoke about before, then you may be able to tick that box a bit better when the time came to persuade someone of something because you will have ticked off that ethos component as well as the logos component. The main one I wanted to focus on today, and I'm not going to go into excruciating detail because we're heading up to the towards the 15 minute mark already, is this concept of emotions within persuasion. And I think we do get trained as lawyers to think very clinically. Uh, we get trained to think very logically. But what we are not good at is dealing with people's emotions. And some areas are better than others. Um, you know, within family law and personal injuries law, obviously, you're going to have uh, more people who are suffering or uh, dealing with emotional issues than you are perhaps in a very commercial context um, through commercial litigation or something like that. So what I really wanted to highlight for you is in the context of persuasion, you need to tick off on all of those boxes. I expect you can tick off on logic very easily, but logic is not the only factor in persuasion. If you're in a commercial negotiation, if you're trying to get someone to agree to something when they are personally aggrieved, logic does not necessarily have the predominant place in their decision making. Trust is a big thing as well. People need to understand that what you say is what you mean. They need to have an inbuilt desire to believe what you say 
and to accept the truth of what you tell them. And trust can take a long time to build up. Some lawyers are better than others at dealing with it. And of course, in the context of negotiations or in the context of a short-term relationship, you don't have as much ability to build up trust. But there are some things you can do if you have a strong personal brand, if you are confident, if you have some credible sources for what you say or some experience that can put some underlying trust behind what you say, that will assist as well. But you cannot disregard entirely the emotional component and you need to be able to deal with the emotional component and it's going to be through a different series of things depending on what it is for clients often the emotional component is going to be dealt with by listening to them by expressing understanding and appreciation and that is not a difficult thing a lot of lawyers seem to struggle with spending five or ten minutes just listening to a client tell their story but sometimes that five or ten minutes invested will have that client come around to a position where they feel like they have been listened to, they feel like their um, emotions are now capable of being balanced out with their logic and their trust, and they are going to give you more time and they're going to give you more belief if you can establish that relationship and deal with their emotional level, even if only by listening and expressing appreciation. If you can understand what they're going through and they know that you understand what they're going through, that connection will be a big thing. Likewise, though, if you're in a mediation, if you're in a commercial negotiation, if something is particularly emotional for someone, you can't simply disregard it. And as lawyers, we just skip this part often in the way we write letters, in the way we have telephone discussions, in the way we deal with people. Things do not exist outside the context of emotions and values. It's where people fighting on principle come from in terms of commercial litigation, even though the matter might not be worth it. Some people want to have a fight despite that. That's because their primary driver at the time of that decision making is the issue of their emotions. And if you can deal with those appropriately, if you can learn how people tick, if you can figure out a bit more about them and understand what their drivers are, have them be listened to and appreciated and deal with their emotions, you are going to find that the other two elements of logic and trust are going to have a much greater impact because emotion will prevent you from being able to be persuasive, whereas if you dealt with it, it won't. So that's really the message I wanted to deal with today is know who you are dealing with, understand them as best you can. But when the time comes to actually persuade them of anything, you need to attack it from those three different components. You need to deal with the logic part. You need to deal with the credibility trust part. And you need to deal with the emotional part because that can be a huge barrier to persuasion occurring, decisions being made or people coming around to your point of view. That is all I had today. I will link up the five languages and I will link up the Fascinate book uh, as well as a link to the course uh, that Sally Hogshead, it's not really a course, sorry, the uh, assessment that Sally Hogshead has. You can get all of those at tipsforlawyers.com slash podcast slash 4040. And like I said before, uh, this will be the second of three parts and I will start to tie off on these things in the third and final episode of the Persuasion series in the next episode. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.